welcome to the Opium Den Interviews. I'm Daniel Williams. Today is Thursday, May 28th, 2009. In just a few minutes, we'll be speaking with Alan St. Pierre, the Executive Director of Normal. And uh, Alan will bring us up to date on what's going on with Normal and uh, the state of drug policy here in, uh, in the United States. So I hope you enjoy it. It's a beautiful day down here in Southwest Florida. And I'm hoping it's a beautiful day up in Washington, D.C., where Alan is. So we're going to try to make this call and uh, see if we can get through here. Well, there it's ringing out east. Spoke to Alan. Thank you for calling Normal. How can I help you? Uh, yes, Daniel Williams from the Opium Den for Alan St. All right, uh, no, let's try this one more time. Okay, I'm thank you. Hold and should work this time. Great, thanks. Yeah, we've had a little difficulty getting a hold of Alan. We've been trying since 11 o'clock. I spoke to him a couple of times, but uh, couldn't seem to get their telephone system to cooperate with ours here in the studio. But we should be with Alan. Hi, Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello. Hey, Daniel Williams at the Opium Den. How are you? Good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. And Sure. How's things up in Washington, D.C. today? Spring day. Well, it's kind of a beautiful down, day down here in southwest Florida. Our humidity is returning pretty rapidly, but no real complaints. Like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. So why don't we, uh, I kind of introduced you at the top of the top of the interview. So tell us what's going on uh, in, with normal these days. Well, it's busy as probably period in the organization's 39-year history. There are more states looking at decriminalizing, medicalizing, or in some cases actually legalizing cannabis. Um, the change of presidency, the people that he's appointed, the policies that they seem to be moving in the direction of changing, all make it uh, a very, very busy time at the organization. Well, that's good. Uh, you guys do good work and you, you are the oldest uh, organization for drug policy in the country, so that means a lot to a lot of your followers and to a lot of the people uh, in drug policy. So uh, how, uh, how long have you been at the, uh, the helm there? Uh, well, I've been the head of the Normal Foundation since 1997 and the head of uh, both Normal and the Normal Foundation proper since 2005. That's right, because I was out in San Francisco at the 2006 Normal Convention, and I think that's when they kind of passed the, uh, the bong baton from, uh, mm -hmm. from Keith over to you. I think that was around that time, was it not? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good. I want to go ahead. Okay. What I'd like to do, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, a couple of a couple of issues. Um, let's let's talk about uh, some of the uh, the uh, legalization schemes that are being proposed. Uh, specifically, the one out in in California, where they want to uh, legalize uh, marijuana for not just medicinal purposes, but for recreational purposes, and they wanted to. Uh, they wanted to stick a $50 per ounce tax on uh, marijuana. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's the first foray into the realm of um, bringing cannabis above ground entirely and not under the auspices of medical cannabis, uh, which in uh, California, uh, unlike most of the other 12 states that have medical marijuana laws, by far they have the most lax um, disease range or types that people can qualify for. So hundreds of thousands of people in California for the better part of 10 years 
have been engaged in a quasi-legal Main Street purchasing of cannabis. So it appears that there is a serious debate afoot in California to go beyond medical and to tax non-medical non-medical cannabis at about $50 per ounce. Um, this could raise billions of dollars, uh, probably one to two immediately, in California in just pure taxes based on an estimate of 12 to $15 billion a year of gross sales currently in the state for medical and non-medical cannabis. Well, uh, um, when, with regards to the tax issue, um, do, you, do you believe that a $50 per ounce uh, tax is, is reasonable? Do you, I mean, that's $800 a pound, and well, you know, when you do the math, I would think that that would be a, a great encouragement for people to, uh, to grow their own, and it would also minimize the, uh, the tax revenue for the state. Do you think that that's too high of a tax? I don't know. I'm not an economist, uh, and I think ultimately uh, most of us will be watching uh, and agitating our legislators to set the taxes at a rate that is appropriate. Um, myself, I don't personally have a view whether $50 is too high or too low. Myself, I've been paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars of prohibition uh, taxes on cannabis my whole life, uh, illegally. And so if it would reduce the entire cost of cannabis, uh, and you know, right now the only model that really exists in modern economy today where a product is grossly overtaxed as a means of social engineering is, well, is tobacco most notably, alcohol included. I mean, in New York City, for example, today, a pack of cigarettes is between 95 to $11 yet the cost of production and marketing, et cetera, is probably close to 40 cents to 70 cents. So most all the cost built into tobacco today is the four levels of taxation, local, county, state, and federal. So there are models today where there are, for lack of a better term, vice, uh, products that are sold that are taxed at exceedingly high rates, but are not set high enough to start off a so-called black market. Um, we'll likely see in the, in the years to come whether a $10, $12, $13 a pack cost will set off a black market in tobacco. Arguably it already has. There's more cases of people exporting um, tobacco products from Virginia and the Carolinas and Kentucky where they traditionally have very low taxes on tobacco. So uh, at some point, there needs to be a system that will logically respect the free market and acknowledge that there will be a price point that will bring in tax revenue and well over 95% of those who want to consume those products will likely buy them on the free market. Um, the example here in beer, wine, jams, jellies, tobacco products, all those people can grow, but very few people do. Only real aficionados tend to do so, and because the free market generally brings those products to us in greater diversity at lower price points,